This is DJ and Allison, and welcome to Neon Nonsense. This episode is sponsored by Ventex Technologies. Welcome. <laughs> this is a great plumbing episode. We're really excited about this because we feel like we we actually know most of what we're talking about. Um, well, I'm yes. excited because I know Allison knows the stuff I don't know. So <laughs> it's um, we have very complementary uh, knowledge bases here in this stoked. particular context. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I would much rather talk about a Venturi valve. And I want to talk about hoses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. All right. Where are we going to start? We got actually got a few, a good amount of questions. So we're going to yeah. hold it till the end and, and kind of go over from top to bottom, what you need to set up your gas and air yeah. situations. So you got your parts. What, what do you do with them now? Hey, Allison. Yes. Explain how to set up your torches. Like I'm a three-year-old. Okay. Well, Miss DJ. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll ex- maybe I'll treat you like an eight-year-old. Is that okay? Okay, that's fine. You still get snacks and nap time. Yeah, I think at that time. Yeah, so a snack, too. snap time. You know, yeah. all the all the important things. So the the kind of like five thousand level view is to run your burner in a neon shop. You need an air source and you need a gas source. And what we're going to talk about today is ways in which to plumb those up and connect to those burners to turn them on in order to bend soft glass with these types of torches. So that's kind of the really, really broad thing. And then we're going to drill down into both air and gas and talk through how to set up your shop. Indeed. And it is kind of a daunting, you know, it's daunting. I think it might be besides bombarding, I think it might be the most daunting process because yeah with the glass bending you can practice and mess up and practice and mess up and practice mm-hmm. and mess up and really no one's going to get poisoned or explode right so, including any neighbors you might have right so this is the part in the podcast where we put a big flashing neon sign that says huge one everything that we say in this episode is our experience right get everything checked out by your local person who handles code Mm -hmm. of this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, allison mentioned in the first episode that she took a while to find a spot in seattle that was um cool with open flame there's a Mm -hmm. reason for that yep Um, don't try and sneak that shit in it's not going to end well for you yeah (laughs) And I actually, at least from my experience, I actually highly recommend that you reach out to your local fire department. I'm already, I'm already forgetting the name of our specific branch, but they were actually very helpful because like, for example, here in Seattle, if you need to weld, you have to have a hot work permit, but based on my own research and what I'm doing, they said, I didn't need that particular permit. So they're really, really helpful. And usually they're like, oh, that's cool. Tell us more about that. Cause they, they deal with fire and it interests them. And it's a really, really good connection to maintain, especially if you continue on in the neon path, like you might need to talk to the fire, mar- fire marshal, 
the fire marshal again in the future. So that's my major recommendation. Check your local codes. And uh, if you're listening to this episode, you uh, dissolve us of any liability based on your (laughs) your setup experience, but we can get you started and we can help you, you know, with some tips. Well, we talked about how air and gas are the main components for getting your burners lit. So let's start with the air side. TJ and I are talking about soft glass. So we are not setting up any oxygen torches. And for those people who are newer to neon and are still deciphering types of glass, borosilicate is much harder glass and requires oxygen to make the fire hot enough to bend it. So in our case, it's actually really nice because we don't have to deal with oxygen, which to be honest with you, freaks me out. I'm very scared of it. I don't want to set that shit on fire. So it's very hot. Yeah. So I can tell you my experience with the, with the air side of things. So you typically need a regenerative blower because what you're doing is you're trying to build some static pressure so that your the air, when it reaches your torch has enough pressure and is nice and steady so that your flame doesn't sort of, what's the right word? Not flicker, but like flutter perhaps. Yeah. So you don't get a flaky flame. There you go. That's the word. So there's a couple ways to achieve that. I, for example, started out with my single cannon and ribbon and each had their own tiny little blower. It wasn't great, but it's a, it's a type of regenerative blower that you can actually find for aquariums. And one of the brands I highly recommend, you can find them on eBay for like anywhere from 30 to $70 each. The brand is called Medu, M-E-D-O. I think there's a dash Mm -hmm. and they're really affordable. Some shops run every single burner with their own little tiny blower. I think DJ, you have, you use the smaller ones. Is that right? I use one for my crossfire and my hand torch alternatively. So I don't usually have them on at the same time. They, they can run at the same time, but if I probably like did a, a, a tidier hose job, but they, they, they're pretty weak on together. So <laughs> hose, job. hose job, <laughs> but no, yeah. great. it's so quiet. Yeah. Uh, it's delightful. It's been working for a year now. It's really helpful. No issues. Um, that's good. Yeah. yeah so I use one of those for my tipping torch because I now have a really large regenerative blower. You actually can find those on eBay as well. I'll have to look up the brand. I'm sorry. I don't have that on hand right now. I, I found one on there for like in the 200 to $300 range. And when I was using it, it could power one, two, three, it powered two ribbon burners and two cannons on its own. So it's a bigger blower. Um, and the idea here is the key is look for the word regenerative blower. You want it to be constant. You want it to have be able to support that many burners. So like DJ mentioned already, the bigger blowers are really loud. So people who might have a shop in their garage often put that regenerative blower outside and then pipe the actual air in some way. So whether it's a window or through the wall, what have you. And so you have that single source and then you need to split it to all of your burners. So let's talk a little bit about how to go from the large regenerative blower down to each actual torch. So for me, 
I now have a lovely closet where I get to keep my blower because it's so loud and it's <laughs> lovely and it's really quiet. Um, so I, I probably have 30, 40, 50 feet of four inch PVC. Well, ABS is the pipe I use tubing that runs from my closet across the wall down to the floor. We use the word manifold in several contexts in the neon shop. So you might've heard manifold referred to when someone's talking about bombarding their tubes, because you use that manifold to connect your tube up to this piece of glass, but that glass manifold is split so that it can reach different components on the actual table. So in the case of air, it's just where you split all of those air lines to go to each burner. So for me, I have four inch tubing all the way to where those split in order to keep that nice big static pressure happening. And then I have a hose barb and a vinyl tube that go all the way out to each burner. So it's a really simple way to do it. Um, I know that different people have different sort of rules of thumb for that, but that's the way that I've managed to, let's see, I keep one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight burners running with one blower really hot fires that method so wow I didn't know you had that many setups I can't wait yeah. to see your shop one day one two a new shop no seven burners a hand torch all on the one blower yeah alternatively if you have a single person studio like I mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. I have all that shit running straight into a hose yep a large diameter hose straight into a valve that goes into a venturi which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. <laughs> and then into the into the torch. So um, if you don't need to split it up into a long distance like Allison does for her studio to teach, uh, it's rather simple to just make a really short trip to Lowe's and get the right kind of hoses mm -hmm. and set it up. Yep. Which maybe now's a good time to talk about hose types because they could apply to both air and gas. How are you gonna get that air? Over How are you gonna where get you that need air? it? I don't, uh, I'm going to research too much how much hose to use, or I would have listened to this podcast episode and learned a long time ago and saved myself some trouble. Well, first you got your latex hose. Why wouldn't you use that, Allison? Boo. <laughs> well, for people who are unfamiliar, whether you're using propane or natural gas, you I, this is the one time I will say you are not allowed to use latex hose. I know that some people go around this, but I say from my, my opinion is do not use it. The way the material works is the actual gases can escape the vinyl tubing. So it's not a safe option for running gas. If it's dire and you have to use it for air, I still say avoid it if you possibly can, because you never know when you shut off your burners, if, if you know, any gas goes back and blah, blah, blah. All that to say, no, no latex for no latex. bodies and blow hose. That's the only place to put latex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want to bend in a latex bodysuit, go ahead, please. And please tag us. Cause we want to see and be careful. Yeah. We want to hear the sound of it too. Really bad. <laughs> no, no, I don't. What? I do. I love it. Uh... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Poses. Robert 
has a blog that we actually forgot to mention in his episode. I, I regret yes. to say. Sorry, our bad. No Veal Journeys. It's delightful. And I was going through it to research for this episode because it's very, very helpful. Um, and he suggests the following sizes of hosing for your different, oh, yes. different crossfire, your ribbon mm-hmm. burner, your hand torch. They're all different. You actually need different size Venturi valves too. Yep. Um, he suggests an interior diameter for your ribbon burner of a half inch hose. Mm-hmm. Um, hand torch is a quarter inch hose. And then crossfire uh, he says three eighths inch hose. Hmm. Um, and uh, Morgan suggests the kind of hose that has the metal braiding throughout it. He says that's hmm. a really good hose. It is a little stiffer. Hmm. Um, so you may not want to use it for your hand torch or your tipping torch, but mm-hmm. um, for your ribbon burner and crossfire, it's just dandy. I use it myself. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Does it handle hot glass well if it drops on it? I don't know that probably better since it's got a metal interior. Um, but Morgan also suggested in, in my recent phone call with him that he said he saw a shop recently that I'm so glad you brought this up. Um, said that um, they had canvas, like a canvas sheath that they had made around their hose so that if hot glass fell on it or something hit it, that it wouldn't puncture or mess it up. It would just, you know, mess up the canvas. I do something similar because I have a lot of beginners that come in and out of my shop and for a while there they would drop it on my vinyl and then I would have a huge leak in my shop. So I actually, and I will full disclosure here, it is super expensive. So I'm very conservative with it, which is the only place that I'm conservative, but it is for a, an engine engine lines. So it's a fiberglass tube and it can withstand up to a thousand degrees of Fahrenheit, which is approximately how hot the glass is that would fall. And so far it has been terrific. It is a bitch to get over the vinyl hose, but once it's on there, it it really has been amazing. So they also have it in like wraps, but the wrap is kind of hard to get it and keep it taut. So it's something that you can find. Cool. Science. So also you, I use, um, adjustable clamps, metal clamps for all my Mm -hmm. hosing. Um, mm-hmm. in retrospect, if I had known how many trips to Lowe's it was going to take me, I would have succumbed to the internet and bought like a 24 pack of clamps. Just go ahead and buy yeah. a bulk pack of those things because yep. I did not buy enough at each time I went to the store and I was just constantly going back and forth. It's one yes. of the main things that was like infuriating. <laughs> Which I guess the sort of like tangential tip here is expect to go to the hardware store at least six more times than you think you'll need to go. I know it sounds kind of ridiculous, but the truth is you will always forget something or you will always miss puzzle a piece out. Yep. Expect to spend some time there. You know, you can always return it. That's the great thing. You can always return. That is the great thing. That $14 piece of brass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, that is actually another hot tip right there. Definitely just expect to return it instead of not getting enough. Highly recommend. Yep. Yes. Okay. So from your little air manifold, connect up your little vinyl hose to hose barb. So one of the things that you'll learn to need to piece together is it's kind of a puzzle of how to connect all of these things. And the parts are there and they're a little bit hard to describe verbally without a visual aid. So 
For me, I use uh, PVC plastic hose barbs, and those are screwed into a piece that's glued to my ABS manifold. And then that hose barb has how I connect my vinyl hose with the clamp DJ referred to. And then that goes out to my Venturi mixer. Yeah, I just use the brass versions of those and that's, I do the same thing otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the brass version for mine is on my gas side, the air side. I just had so much footage to deal with that the PVC was worth it and it's, yeah, there's no, nothing yeah, sense. I guess dangerous. I do, I'm sorry. Yeah, I do use some plastic in my air as well. I just had some extra, um, like why, why thingies. When I started my shop, I was kind of going in blind with everything except the bending process. So I had no idea that every torch needs its own what's called a venturi valve mm -hmm. um, which is a tiny little hourglass shaped brass they're actually quite little beautiful objects mm -hmm. by themselves um, and sometimes they have little arms attached to the side of them but basically they regulate the air and the gas coming into mixture. Or air or air or gas mis mixture mm -hmm. going into your torch it's the last kind of step before it hits the either the economizer in your ribbon burner or goes through the pipe piping in your um crossfire or hand torch mm -hmm. hey dj yeah why is it called a venturi mixer well this guy <laughs> in 18th century italy named giovanni venturi, venturi. <laughs> discovered the venturi effect it's a it's the shape so dj described yeah. the venturi mixer so it's a straight piece of brass that's an hourglass shape there's a hole at the top and the bottom and there's also a hole on the side so the hole on the side is how you connect your gas so the air goes into the side of the mixture and the air is going straight up and what happens is the force of the air passing the side hole is what pulls the gas with it from the side up and that's how it mixes is the really short less scientific version of what's happening in there yes so then you get that perfect mixture to make your flame hot like if you want it to be an annealing flame versus a hot flame to bend which again we can sort of process what those look like as we talk about the gas side of plumbing now yes and there is actually a really wonderful um illustration that robert put up on the mm. um, yep. beginners page about what your flame looks like and what that means yeah um, yeah 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 so uh, check that out. I think it's in the file section in the beginners, uh, Neon and Plasma beginners. If you're not already on it, go request it and answer all the questions, please. Do answer the questions. <laughs> so <laughs> you will not be admitted without it. You mentioned the blower earlier. Yes. Um, and that's what puts the air through the Venturi valve, right? Yes, um, correct. I do have a list um, and a fun story to go with that. So when I was trying to look for my blowers, for my shop, I also was con wanted to be conscious of my amount of um, noise I was making because I'm in like mm. a communal art space. I'm still mm -hmm. in like a weird warehouse dungeon, but still like <laughs> there's also like a bar next to me, so it's like there's a lot going on. But um, sure. usually the um, EDM parties are way louder than me, so. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, which is a good sign. You probably right, shouldn't yeah. have a neon shop that's louder than an EDM party. Just yeah. maybe consider what you're doing if you're louder I, than that. I'm proud of the fact that none of my neon is like just broken from the base <laughs> that has been subjected to this building that I work I have in. heard that happening. So the touche, I'm here. Finger snaps yeah. for DJ's it's neon bending. Test. It's a good test for my work, um, <laughs> uh, but I digress. Um, 
I may use Craigslist a lot for things. So I was looking for <laughs> specifically a laser printer so that I could do my image transfers for my artwork. And I didn't want to pay a lot of money for them, a new one. And I was okay with having a black and white one. And this one was basically free. The guy was like, please come get it. It's in my storage unit. Amazing. So I head on over to the storage unit and we get talking. He sees the neon thing on the side of my element. And he's like, Do you, there's more stuff in this, in the trail, in the, tra- in the um, storage unit, you know? And, you know, I know that's how like most horror movies start, but like, I like looked in. <laughs> I feel like not for you though. You find, you find the people that are like, Hey, I've got this like basement of things. Do you want to follow me in there? And you're like, oh, it's a wonderland. Yeah, and I'm not going to murder you either. That's yeah. Like I don't know how you find the good ones, but you always know do. The good luck is all it is. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> he had 30 gas regenerative blowers that were Whoa. like, sometimes that you have to wire them from 220. Which oh is yeah. kind of a pain in the ass. And it these is. were already like pre- like they weren't needed to be rewired at all. They were um were they big ones or were they little oh, small? They were little babies. There were a few okay, big yeah. ones, but they were they were perfect. They're perfect for like just my ribbon burner. And I probably yes. could put my um crossfire on it if I really wanted to, but I don't like them being on at the same time. I like being hmm. able to turn one off and save some gas. Like if I know that most of it piece is gonna be me and the ribbon burner. And I'm only going to need to put some electrodes on at the end. Like I turn my crossfire, my hand, like all my torches off, except for my ribbon burner and just try and save right. some gas. Yeah. Um, plus it just gets a little smellier in there when I have it all on. But um, so this guy had all these blowers and I was like, why do you have these? What are these for to you? What are these yeah. for you? Like, cause I never think about most of the stuff, that, the equipment that we have is so specific to what we do. Yeah. That I never really th- sit and ponder, oh, what does this do in like the real <laughs> world? But okay, so this is kind of cool. He worked for a company, basically like a spam mail company. So, but th- what they would do is they, <laughs> au- they automated stuffing envelopes with these things. So there was some sort of like huh. pneumatic stuffing machine that was powered by these little guys, these little gas. And that was right when I started um, being on the Facebook group for the beginners page. And I suspect I got a little bit more popular because I put put them up for not very much money because I knew like (laughs) how valuable they were to people like me. Yeah. And I would make, I made a little bit of money off of it, but I didn't want to be like price gouging people. And um, I sent them all over the country. I sent like two to Canada. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I still use. I have. I kept one of the big ones for myself. I don't use it right now, but I. I hope that one day I'll have a bigger shop. So I'm trying to like accrue some stuff for that. Um, but sure. Yeah, that's my fun. I learned a lot about blowers through Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and to your point about the 110 versus the 220, I actually had that same predicament in my previous shop, and this shop. I, I went ahead and tested wiring my, my biggin up to a 110. And just for, just again, more pro tips, it, it will run, but it doesn't have enough power to give you the amount of air pressure you need. Yeah. So if you have the bigger ones that require 220, uh, I recommend a couple of things. If you need help from an electrician to actually wire in a 220, be sure to have a conversation with your electrician because I had, I had one electrician say they were going to wire up to two one tens, which 
and I might get some shit from this and it's fine, but sometimes that can often only equal 208 instead of 220. So you just, just talk to whomever's going to help you get that power in there. And then you can wire up to the 220 and get the power. You need. Honestly, some of them require 240. And if it requires that you probably want it. Cause if you're powering more than one or two burners, you'll really want the pounds per second. Sure. So. Mm-hmm. It's time for a gas off. <laughs> DJ. Uh- Tell me which gas you use. I use propane, like Hank Hill would have wanted. Who's Hank Hill? King of the Hill, Allison. Oh. Hank yeah. Hill, propane, propane and propane accessories. You realize I've spent all but four years of my life living in the Pacific Northwest, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> we digress. We again. digress. Again. Propane, which I like because I can get it at the grocery store. I can get it at Lowe's. I can go travel with my neon setup sometimes. And I don't have to bring propane with me because I can just go pick up one at the grocery store, probably. So it's a good it's just point. Kind of like a thing you can pick up literally anywhere and hook up a setup if you need to. That is a good point. I will say from using natural gas, I don't have to worry about it running out and I don't have to worry about changing it out. And I generally speaking, don't have to worry about the price being variable wherever I get it from. Yeah. Uh, Propane in my area has gone from 14 ish dollars uh, a tank to 20 in under a year because of all of the shit. And uh, that's been fun. That's been fun to watch. Um, But I usually, because I do have to change out my tank, at least if I'm heavily bending, I probably say, Still only like two weeks, every two weeks I'll bend, I'll change out the tank. It lasts a pretty long time. And oh, I, that's keep, nice. I keep three of them in my studio at a time. Um, so I just change them out when I need them. And then uh, two of them go when they're empty and I come back and I actually that's make, nice. make my assistant do it. He's a really great guy and he has Ew. a Costco membership and I get that Costco propane. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is nice that they're refillable. Yeah. That's I, great. I will say the, um, one of the kind of like downsides to using natural gas that's weirdly a plus is my current the way my current billing works is because I'm in a commercial space now there is a monthly like commercial fee per month so like the way my building works is it costs thirty dollars to just be hooked up to it plus usage so my cost is variable but like I know about the range that it'll be the other thing related to that is for Seattle at least there's a specific cubic feet. You have to actually like mark what gases are where and keep up like visual post of how much you have. So at least for me in my region, it's actually helpful to not have to manage like any sneak attacks of the fire department to be like, oh, you're not labeling this. So I like that. Where I am, we have gotten away with just basically as, as long as it's chained to a solid object <laughs> interesting <laughs> you're usually okay i know in the metalsmithing world when osha would come we would have to like make sure i mean there were always <laughs> all the all this oxyacetylene tanks were all um you know always chained to to the desks but that was something we always had to look out for and you know that was way hotter so but um yeah yeah check that shit yeah Check your local rules. 
Okay. But, yeah. So another interesting and important difference between propane and natural gas is the weight versus the air that it's around. Um, propane is heavier, so it sits down near your ankles on the floor. So what mm -hmm. I have to look out for using propane is if I have like a heater on the ground or something mm -hmm. that could spark um, and I have a leak, that would be really bad. So I actually have a couple uh, carbon monoxide detectors down at my knee level. Smart. And Smart. I often make sure that the batteries work. That's important to have, not just have yeah. them, but make sure the batteries work. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and yeah. I haven't really had an issue. That's good. Yeah, the difference is for natural gas, it is lighter than air. And so for my shop, I, I now have two ceiling fans that actually help with my ventilation process. Cause as that, if there's a leak or if there's any, like anything that escapes when lighting your torches or what have you, it can help push it back out through my window fan. Cause I have a, mm -hmm. a ventilation mm -hmm. system through the window to push yeah. and circulate air. Yeah. So it's something to be aware of that. They're a little, they interact different. Yeah. And I have a fan that blows it up into my vent hood, which is above my oh, yeah. harder. So, because it's all such a small space, as long as you're keeping the air moving and there is a plate yeah. extraction zone, you should be good. My fan yeah. is literally just a kitchen fan, the overhead kitchen fan that I found at a restore. And it's a pretty good one that was just didn't have the shell on it mm. uh, because it runs all day, every day, no problem so far. And it's yeah. a pretty big trooper. And you can test, you know, using burn some sage in front of it, you know, totally test where is the, where are those vapors going? Well, the final thing that maybe you went out on is that propane does run a little bit hotter yes. than natural gas. <laughs> so I guess this debate is a, or this fight is a draw. I do believe this is a draw. We are digitally shaking hands right now digitally yeah do what you need to do get what you can get at the time that you're starting a shop some mm -hmm. people have great huge propane tanks out back of their shop and they gas yep. it through their building and they have someone come and service it and they don't have to deal with going to the gas station like i do so <laughs> there are so many options out there that are way more convenient than mine and uh, even allison's possibly so um, yep. do what's right for you with your yep. gas situation the last piece of this puzzle, which I didn't actually have a proper one until very recently. So I ha have now been shown the light by the Morgan. By the Morgan. By the Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Morgan. I sold me um, a really nice regulator so it's it just hooks up to my propane tank and i can adjust finally adjust the pressure coming out of that tank before yeah. it does anything else and it's it's made it so i was basically running quote unquote running out of gas halfway through a tank which was really they were still pretty heavy i was taking the like i was couldn't run my fires but there was still gas inside i could hear it sloshing around in there so it was just frustrating. And now, now I know that I just didn't have enough pressure on that, like really basic grill regulator that I was using. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. A lot of shops actually do have literally a barbecue regulator. And I highly recommend that you pull that off immediately. Don't do, do not, it. 
use it. Don't do it. It's it's yeah. it, it works for like travel kits. I would su- suggest if you were doing something travel wise. Yeah, not really something most people do. Um, but uh, yeah, having a seriously nice like if you're gonna if you're gonna like buy the good stuff on a couple of these objects, you're not gonna buy used or yeah, uh, something that's a good regulator is is like yeah. crazy awesome. And I can say for the natural gas, my regulator is right by my main. So it's regulator and then my main shut off. And it is just regulating the flow coming from the city. And mine is at two PSI, which you really only need like anywhere from 0.5 to two PSI mm-hmm. for your natural gas. If you're using it, you you actually don't really need that much pressure for your natural gas. That's where, when we switch over to kind of putting all these pieces together, the mixers are the things that can make the gas and air mixture happen so that your fires are hot enough to bend in. The last thing I want to cover on the gas side is since it's sort of the dangerous, you know, flammable part, I have a few kind of like safety fail safe, so to speak in my system. So we described earlier about how I actually have like six stations total. So I have quite a few burners that could be on at the same time. So the way that I designed the, so like we were talking about before with the air, you can split that line from that big blower into each burner. And so I do the same thing with my gas. I actually have the main and it's connected up to a metal manifold. It's like we talked before, it's just ports to split the gas. And on every single one of those splits on my metal manifold, I have an individual ball valve. So if something were to happen with a specific line, I can shut it off and the other lines can remain open. So from my main shutoff and regulator, it goes to my metal manifold that splits it out my gas out to all my burners. And then on every single burner, I have a shutoff so that the gas can be turned on or off for safety so that the gas isn't, you know, running all day into the space, which I think is a little bit different than your yours, DJ, because your propane doesn't have to be divided up into so many burners. So your system's probably a little different. Yeah. Goes into a hose, which goes into a three prong barb brass. Uh, you mean a T? T. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. T. So T with the three barbs. Yeah, and so one is gas, and then the other is hand torch, tipping torch. It goes straight up, um, right above it, and then um, down below, it goes into two um, different torches, which actually, before it hits the torches, it goes into two uh, shutoffs as well on my table. Yeah, I have them attached to my table. So you have Um, shutoffs too. Yeah, and then I have shutoffs and valves on my actual torches. So there's two separate stages of shutoffs. Yeah. If I, so if I hear that whoosh noise that Shauna Peterson spoke about in yep. our last episode, I know that instead of having to run around to the front of my table, which is takes a couple more seconds, I can just shut off my right at the bottom of my ribbon burner and my exactly. economizer, turn off my gas. Yep. Um, Same. The faster, safer way to do that. Yep. And then you still have that like midpoint shut off too. Cause again, we're, we're just talking about trying to make it as safe as possible. So having that extra step is really, really helpful. It's good not to have to go over to your tank every time to turn it off, like to yep. have a place that's convenient to just always know that if that's off, it's off. And it's a visual thing that you can see mine are yellow. So they're very yep. bright. 
um, and you know that if you know they're in the right spot, you can leave them, leave it, go answer the phone or you know, take a client, whatever has to happen with it being safely closed off. Yep. And typically those yellow ones are rated for gas. So make sure that you pick a ball valve that is rated for gas. Usually propane and natural gas, they're rated for them both. Just double check that it can withstand the pressure that you're using. So again, I said, I have a two PSI. So I make sure that the ball valves I have are rated for that. If you have any questions about that, usually the staff at the hardware store can help you. Not always, but it'll say on the little like neck tag or whatever, mm-hmm. what it's rating is. And, and on the, in the same way, I actually have a valve on my, a shut off on my air too, but it's actually a PVC one. Cause again, it doesn't have to withstand the gas. It's just to turn the air on and off. Yeah. So, cool. so there you go. Yeah. Some more technical things for a technical process. DJ, we just covered a lot of information. So let's take a little second. And would you just do a quick recap of what we've covered so far for all of us? Absolutely. So for the gas side of things, what you're going to need on your 700th trip to Lowe's. Yes. You're going to need your gas. You're going to need to regulate that gas with the regulator. You're going to need hose barbs for your regulator to attach to a hose with some clamps of some sort. You're going to need a couple of valves per torch, and you're going to need a Venturi for your hand torch, your tipping torch, and your crossfire. Mm-hmm. But not your ribbon, because your ribbon if your hand. ribbon has an economizer, that's doing that work for you. Right. Uh, and then you have your burners, and then that's how you get from your gas to your burner. With your air, it's a little simpler. Uh, you have your air blower. Um, And then you have your hose coming out of your blower in whatever way or PVC pipe manifold in Allison's case. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it goes direct to the other side of Venturi on torches that have your Venturi. Yep. Um, Using the same clamps and plastic barb hoses or barb doodads. Doodads, hose doodads. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, a little note here, we've, we've oversimplified and I like to describe it as like a puzzle because you have to figure out how to take, make your air or your gas move across the room you're in. So that will take your specific length of vinyl, your specific length of black pipe to bring your natural gas. Again, pro tip here, do not run your natural gas to PVC or ABS, run it through black pipe until you get to your vinyl and or your metal manifold. And what will happen is the reason you're going to make 7,000 trips to Lowe's or your local hardware store is every single one of those sections has to be connected. And we recommend that you use brass. You can also use, um, what's the silver one? Stainless, is it stainless steel? Never seen those in the store. Oh yeah. So from the gas side, if you make sure you're using metal, um, it's recommended from like professional plumbers don't use the stainless steel connected to the brass it can cause corrosion so do your best to stick with the same metal across the board which is usually brass because the hose barbs are brass um, and every time you connect a piece so if you put a coupler over your brass hose barb make sure that you seal that so you can use the goop you can use gray tape you can use blue tape just triple check that it's rated for gas because some are rated for water and some are rated for gas, some are rated for air. Just be diligent when reading the products that you're purchasing for this process. 
which reminds me, we just described a bunch of connection points. So what happens if I smell gas, DJ? Well, obviously that's a problem. And we want to try and find where the gas is escaping. And the most low-tech way to do that would be to get a bottle of soapy water, shake it up a ton, throw it on your plumbing situation and see where your bubbles come up. Yeah. Um, you'll see uh, a bunch of bubbles, obviously, but the big, you'll see big fat ones starting to appear and kind of pop right around mm. where the leak will be. I'm very well familiar with them. I've been fighting them all this yes. week, last week. Um, and I finally just figured figured it out and got it tight. And got it uh, smelling okay in there. Um, and it is a process, but it is it is something. And But you had informed me recently there is also a product you can buy. Yes. I actually highly recommend the following product. It's if you go to your plumbing section at your hardware store, they have it's my my version is blue, but it's literally soapy water. And I'm not kidding you. It'll be the best three dollars you've ever spent because it's it's really, really bubbly when you find a, an actual leak. So the bottle's plastic. When you unscrew the cap, it has a little metal piece attached to the cap with a little little sponge on it. So you can use the sponge to really get into the nooks and crannies of some of those tighter plumbing components you might be putting together. Like, like for example, I've made my own Venturi mixer. So there's literally like 17 pieces of brass plumbing together and it's really hard to find a leak there if it's just soapy water because it isn't bubbly enough i can't think of the right word for that but it's just not soapy enough mm -hmm. there's probably a technical term here that i don't know so apologies friends mm -hmm. but you can really get in all the nooks and crannies and it bubbles really easily with any light tiny leak so i highly recommend it and it lasts forever i've had the same bottle for almost three years and i literally have had to check for leaks i don't even want to talk about how many times i've had to check for leaks. Like, <laughs> don't talk about it you don't yeah talk about it. so it's it's three bucks <laughs> that will last you literally years and so helpful so if you follow us on instagram you saw that we asked a question to our followers about their general plumbing questions and we have just a few to end the podcast with today yeah um to kind of solve some some myths and answer some small and kind of large questions about yeah. how the hell all this stuff works. Maybe we can help contextualize this big fat pile of information we just presented to you <laughs> with yeah. a real life question. Well, a quick shout out to Laura from Right Guy. She's like, I just need plumbing help. So this yeah. is for you. Yeah, dedicated. Dedicated. Shout out to you, Laura. <laughs> So we had one question that was, I just thought was funny. It was like, um, why are Venturi valves so dang expensive? Uh, Excellent question. And I think I asked Morgan this question. I agree with him. I think it's a finely machined a piece of equipment that needs to be certified in order for mm -hmm. it to be safe for people to not blow themselves up. Mm -hmm. So I think that requires probably a lot more than we think it does. It does look like a pretty simple object when you just look at it, but um, machining that out of solid brass is the, it seems like a whole thing. If you, if you really think, sit down and think about yeah. it. So, and they're made out of really good solid material. So what can I say? I got mine on eBay. 
a gentleman in Canada sent me one a couple of days ago from my hand torch. And I think that it's important to know that sometimes it takes like finding which one is right. I have a tipping torch that has a small venturi on it that fits the tiny hose and then a large venturi on my uh, crossfire that has, yeah, my one inch hose on it. So um, there are two different sizes. I accidentally had a small venturi on my crossfire for way too long. And um, that was dumb. And I didn't know any better. And now- That sounds like a cold fire to me is what you're saying. Yeah, it was really dumb. I couldn't bend anything past like, like nine millimeter and they weren't, what? it still wasn't great. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. That's why I mostly like, I got really used to bending a lot in the ribbon burner for a lot of stuff. Interesting. Like the Aussies do. Yeah. Um, they do it all in the ribbon. They do it all in the ribbon burner. We also got a question from a new and fun Instagram account called the Neon Trenches. Should give them a follow. Yes. I believe that Cameron Clo up in Canada. And please forgive me. I don't know the name of the apprentice that's also helping with that, but they are running this cool new page. And they had a question just about how to find these kind of specialized plumbing tools. So we just discussed things like the ball valves. Those are things you can just get at your local Lowe's hardware store. The more specific things like a Ventura mixer, DJ said you can get them on eBay. You can find them used. If you need them new, however, companies like EGL still actually manufacture them. We, we want to thank EGL for what they do. Yeah. We will say that they are pricey. We just discussed probably why, but just know that if you want to get a new one, they sell both sizes. So in fact, uh, when I was trying to solve my tipping torch versus my Canon Venturi mixer, I only had the big ones and I was really struggling to utilize my tipping torch. So I actually purchased one new Venturi mixer from them and it's actually a little bit different shape. So I think perhaps they might've brought their price down a little bit. It's not the same sort of hourglass shape, but it is the same principle the gas enters from the side. And like I said before, I have made one myself. So do some research before you do that. It's, it's kind of simple, but it won't be certified. So, you know, you're <laughs> kind of getting into the weeds there of like, will you get in trouble yeah. with some agency you didn't know existed that could come yeah. check on you. Mm -hmm. So uh, places like EGL have those. Uh, there's other, some, there's some other really good companies like uh, ABF is a high temperature like companies. So they sell a lot of tools for glass working and flame working. Um, they have very few plumbing options, but a couple of specialty options. Um, I'm trying to think where else we might find things. Yeah. Like the vinyl to run from your manifolds. You can get that at a local hardware store. Um, sorry, Amazon, we hate you, but you can also get it there if it's your only option. Yeah. Next question uh, was really important. I think uh, what happened, what's the difference between like a, a propane smell that's bad, like that's mm. too much and a propane smell that's just like your ribbon burner giving off the amount of gas that it normally gives. Um, and I'd say that that is, you know, a ribbon burner is a really simple heating element. Morgan explained it to me. It's like, it's not very complicated in there. Gas is gonna escape. There's air pumping through there. You turn it um, certain, on, gas escapes before you light it. Certain amount of leakage is to be expected. I did hear that Shauna said that she shoved some tin foil in the nose of her ribbon burner to cut down on that. Well, it 
I will say here that a lot of the reverters might have a have a hole at the front because some of them used to have a, a pedal light. Uh, what's it called? The like spark lighter. Yeah, sparker, yeah. And so some of them have it, some of them don't. And so some of the some ribbon burners have a little hole there. And then sometimes some gas can escape between the plate that is removable and the actual solid piece of the ribbon burner. Mm-hmm. So I think it just really varies. So I've even seen some people put some pattern fabric in there because it keeps the air from flowing. And then if okay. it catches, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So a little bit is, is good. If you smell a gas near, like obviously if your ribbon, bur- like that's why you have a, a fail safe switch that cuts off your burners. Because if you're still smelling that gas smell and your burners are cut off from gas, means it's not obviously not your burner's problem. Yep. It's a it's a hose and clamp and, and bubble it up, baby. Yep. Find that leak. <laughs> Get your bubble sponge. And uh, go wild. But and yeah. you'll with time you'll learn the difference between the like used slash burned gas smell and the actual gas smell because it's it it takes a little bit of time but soon you can recognize the difference. Okay, our last question: Do we need a new plate if we switch from propane to natural oh, gas? Alice, good question, Camille. Because yes, thank you, Camille. <laughs> so the answer is. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason that it's maybe is because each, every ribbon burner has a little plate that sits on the top of the ribbon burner. And when you look down at it, you'll see these little holes and those little holes are called candles. We just talked about how propane burns a little bit hotter than natural gas. The way those candles are arranged are specifically for the heat of the propane or the heat of the natural gas. So if you are able, you can just swap out that plate instead of having to get an entire new ribbon burner. And the way you can tell which plate it is, is on the side of it, there's a little stamp metal, what's that called when you hammer it, a little hammered engravement. Yeah. 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 This is N or P and that will tell you whether you're using natural gas, that candles for natural gas or for propane. And actually now that I say that it might not be P, it might be A, oh, it's A for artificial. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. There's the answer. So, but it sounds like if you're just trying to get your shit off the ground, we have an expert who has suggested. Morgan says it doesn't matter as much as people think it does. He says that if you have the time and energy and, and funds to invest in two different plates and you're going back and forth for some reason, sure, fine. Yeah. It would probably um, extend the length of your, of your torch. I, I assume that the, the, the downside at one point might be that you run your, if you're, if you're using a natural gas plate with propane, because propane is hotter, you run the risk of melting your plate possibly if, if you were to run it too hot. I assume that would probably be the worst case scenario. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I don't know what kind of situation you would need for that to happen. That sounds kind of in, like bonkers. Yeah. But I, I mean, other than that, it's just, you know, slightly different whole size difference. Yeah. Maybe it's it's a slightly different it difference. Up. It might help you get a little bit more finely tuned fire, but yep. um, it's all about getting used to what you have. Totally. <laughs> and that's really just a tip for, uh, in fact, I had a friend who's been making neon for literally 30 years and I mentioned that to him and he was like, wow, 
I just learned something new. So it's kind of just a pro tip for someone who's been doing this a long time that didn't really realize you don't need an entire new burner. You could just swap out the plate. Yeah. But you know, to DJ's point, get yourself off the ground. It, your burner will run if you hook it up correctly. So yep. here's a recommendation too. I know, I know that a lot of neon shops are just generally at capacity with what they can offer the world. But if you have a neon friend that would be willing to help you, consider how you approach them, approach them with kindness and flexibility and, and offer to pay them for their expertise. Like say, hey, I'm trying to set up a shop. Your expertise is valuable to me. Do you have a fee that you could charge me to come help me set up, to come analyze what I've done, talk through what I'm missing, or, you know, even just a like, can I buy you a meal to talk about whether I did this correctly? Because if, especially with the natural or gas or the propane, it, it is pretty scary. You, you've got something explosive potentially here. Yeah. So making sure that you do it safely is, is the highest priority. Yep. Propane isn't good for your brain. It's yeah. Not. Neither is natural gas. You can easily get natural gas poisoning. Yeah. I wouldn't know wouldn't from having a leak. It. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Another pro tip. If you're feeling lightheaded or nauseous after bending for a prolonged period and you don't have a very good sense of smell, you might have a leak. Yeah. Get that checked out uh, your body and your studio. Yeah. Those are excellent questions. We'll keep doing this. Please keep sending us questions. Maybe we'll use your idea as a podcast episode. We have a Facebook group called Neon Nonsense Neighborhood. You can find us there. You can contact us through our uh, Instagram Neon Nonsense Podcast mm-hmm. or uh, me on DJ Neon or Hex Neon uh, or Allison on Radiant Neon. And if you like to buy us a beer for entertaining your ears for an, yes. for an hour-ish um, with a lot of technical jargon uh, that we hope was helpful, buy, send us some money on Patreon, please, yeah. won't you? <laughs> or maybe fund one of our trips to Lowe's, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hit us up on Patreon. Hit us up on all the socials. Hit us up um, on all of the things and let us know if you have any questions or if you have any upcoming neon events that you'd like us to talk about or questions in general. How are you doing? How's your mom? You know? Well, we have a few upcoming events that we can share. Yes. Eve uh, Hoyt, our first uh, special guest on the podcast, is curating a show in Westchester. There's kind of two shows at once. Uh, one in Westchester and one in Philly at the Philly Neon Museum. Westchester is called the Art Trust Bank or the Art Trust Gallery. And it is inside a bank that I'm not going to remember the name of. The Art Trust at Meridian Bank. Thank you. So that is happening in Westchester. And there is a tandem show happening at the Philadelphia Neon Museum. I have a couple pieces in each. And I'm super stoked about the show it's going to be a good one the philadelphia neon museum is a treasure and you should go if you're in the area and make a whole day of it there's a great mexican restaurant like literally attached and you can get beer and it's a whole thing it's a maker space it's great there's an antique an- antique salvage place next door neato comes up for everybody we are also excited to announce that dj and i will be teaching a hands-on class at mona the museum of neon art in glendale california Woo! Woo! It's happening on February 27th from noon to four. And the class is called You're in Luck. 
come make a horseshoe with us. We'll spend some time talking a little bit about the history and symbolism behind the horseshoe, and then you get to make your very own and take it home with you. So come hang out with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can enjoy DJ and my being reunited after many years apart. And join and it feels so good. Oh yeah, you know it does. We're also going to be diving into two of the three bends in a horseshoe are one heat bend. So that will be yeah. part of the curriculum of the couple hours we'll be spending um, going over the very simple shape of the horseshoe. Yeah. So it's a great class if you have some bending experience and we can offer you some new tips and tricks. But if you're also new to bending, it's also a great fit for you. It should be great fun. To celebrate seeing you in person for the first time in like over a year. Over two years. Our next, over two years. Yeah, absolutely. I exclaimed too hard on that. Whatever. People, I I love DJ a lot. You know, everyone can know that it's fine. In honor of our two year long distance relationship, our next episode will be us in person at Mona in LA. Yeah. So there will be many shenanigans and fun and we're going to go with it. So yeah. join us again soon for some fun. And nonsense. And nonsense. In California. We're in hitting Cal- the road. California. California. Hey, DJ, if you could make your propane smell like anything delightful, what would you choose its smell to be? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, first of all, that's a dangerous question because obviously <laughs> it's still dangerous because it's propane. We haven't changed that in this universe, so I would poison myself. But um, <laughs> it would probably be lavender. I don't know why, but I got like a, a message from you. I knew you were going to say lavender. I don't know why. <laughs> I probably talked about it before. I have a lavender plant, but what about you? I think I would pick orange oil. Oh, yeah. It would be like mm-hmm. refreshing and... Yeah. You know, cheery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the lingering would be nice after I found the leak. <laughs> Can I change my answer to Scrapple smell? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. It's between lavender and Scrapple. I'm a complicated I'm... person. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Do we want to have a gas off with propane versus <gasps> natural gas? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God.
We are also excited to announce that DJ and I will be teaching a hands-on class at Mona, the Museum of Neon Art in Glendale, California. Woo! It's happening on February 27th from noon to four. And the class is called You're in Luck. Come make a horseshoe with us. We'll spend some time talking a little bit about the hist- history and symbolism behind the horseshoe. And then you get to make your very own and take it home with you. So come hang out with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can enjoy DJ and my being reunited after many years apart. Reunited and join in our show. And it feels so good. Oh, yeah. You know it does. So it's going to be great. We're also going to be diving into two of the three bends in a horseshoe are one heat bend. So that will be yeah. part of the curriculum of the couple hours we'll be spending um, going over the very simple shape of the horseshoe. Yeah. So it's a great class if you have some bending experience and we can offer you some new tips and tricks. But if you're also new to bending, it's also a great fit for you. It should be great fun.